Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and the Kingdom of God is within you, so we should be talking about what's in you, but that's going to be up to you to figure out what's in you, (laughs) and uh, the way the world is going, you're going to get great opportunities to look within yourself. The world, evil, that is in the world, wants you to look outside yourself for the solution, for the blame, for, you know, to put the blame on somebody else. But the reality is, is that you really can't fix everybody else. In order to even try to do so, you have to kind of become a tyrant. And that's kind of the problem to begin with. So, evil doesn't care whether you're afraid of it or you conform to it. It just wants you to react to its presence. It wants you to either become like it or rebel against it. Because in rebelling against it, you will become like it. This is why Christ says, resist not evil. Now, you can use that word resist in other places. And we see it in other places. And we've got some articles up on it. So that you are to resist evil, but then you're not to resist evil, which is kind of a paradox. And there's lots of paradoxes in these worlds. And when you look at these uh, different paradox, uh, you will begin to possibly see things more clearly. Have a vision about them, so to speak. And we're going to be talking about visions today because Nahum had a vision. But before we do that, I want to uh, uh, read a couple of quotes see if you can figure out who said it. The greater the crime perpetuated by the leadership the less likely it is that the people will ever believe their leaders to be capable of perpetrating such an event. So, you know, the most outlandish or the more outlandish the crime is, the less likely the people will believe it. Now, that's that's expressing a certain principle that that individual's contradicts in other statements that he makes. Uh, He also said, what luck for governments that the people are stupid. And he said this in actually several different ways. We'll just go over these really quick and see if you figured out who it is who said all these things. We have to put a stop to the idea that it is a part of everybody's civil rights To say whatever he pleases. So that was another quote from the same guy. He also said terrorism. That's been a topic for a dozen years now. Terrorism is the best political weapon. For nothing drives people harder than a fear of sudden death. And of course there was a great deal of fear in the last two years or two weeks. Depending on how you count time. Uh, to flatten the curve of a supposedly deadly virus that is going to wipe out the whole planet and uh, 
you know, with uh, millions upon millions upon millions of people dead. But uh, we just had uh, in the news this week, I didn't hear it on the news just before the program began, but uh, uh, Germany has uh, been recounting their coronavirus death cases. And uh, just like they were recounting votes in uh, Arizona, <laughs> everybody wants to do a recount because evidently the first time people counted, uh, people don't trust that. They think that's the big lie. And the big lie is either that the election was lost by Trump or won by Trump. And uh, it's just you get to pick whatever big lie you want to believe. The fact is, is that democracy, the people lose. Democracies fail. They take you out to the end of a precipice or the, the plank of the ship. And there's no place to go but in the deep blue sea. Because you put, put your faith in the deep blue sea when you put your faith in democracy. The sea is those people that can be turned to and fro. And one of the ways to turn those people to and fro is with fear. So that's why that particular individual says terrorism, terrorism is the best political weapon, we could say tool, for nothing drives people harder than the fear of sudden death. Well, we have uh, one more quote. He says, uh, The receptivity of the masses is very limited. Their intelligence is small, but their power of forgetting is enormous. In consequence of these facts, all effective propaganda must be limited to a very few points and must harp on these in slogans until the last member of the public understands what you want him to understand by your slogans. And so, that, who is this guy? Who said all these things? Well, he said something else. Uh, uh, which I probably said it wrong, but uh, I actually listened to several recordings of it in order to figure out. But that's German, in case you didn't know. And it means uh, for your safety. And this was a common slogan that the Nazis used uh, when they were coming to power, is that we needed to do this for your safety. They collected guns for your safety. They imposed laws uh, about guns for your safety. They uh, they uh, got get get got rid of homeschooling, and even private schools took a terrible beating during this period because it was for your safety. And uh, he has a lot of other quotes about children, you know, controlling the education of the children. I controlled the world. and uh, But, of course, if you haven't figured it out yet, these quotes were all from Adolf Hitler. And uh, his quote about, I thought, uh, his quote about not uh, letting people say just anything they want. I mean, ultimate uh, Hitler's uh, plan for society included cancel culture. Except he would cancel people to the tune of tens of thousands uh, of people uh, to millions of people. And uh, he canceled them through war and he canceled them through arrests and uh, persecutions of different people. His uh, And the reality is the very people that are calling everybody Nazis 
have more in common with the Nazis than than you could uh, care to even know or imagine. But we don't have the vision to see the truth about that. And so people are carried away by the news is often promoting fear because fear is that great weapon or tool. And yet here comes Nahum hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, centuries ago. And Nahum had a vision. And uh, his vision involved a burden. And we're going to take a look at what that burden was and what that vision was and see if you don't have that vision too. Because even a stupid person can have a vision if they are willing to see. But in order to see the truth in today's world, we have to see the truth about ourselves. And so... Anyway, I wanted to start off the show with those quotes because I found them very fascinating. There's a lot of other quotes. I just uh, going to be finishing up some videos that we're going to put up on preparing well at YouTube, and probably uh, we're going to have to <laughs> get going on uh, starting other places to put our videos because of the fact that uh, we're if we keep telling you the truth, somebody's going to cancel us on YouTube and Facebook and everything else. And that's why we want everybody to join the Living Network because the Living Network and and the Living Network is not an email group. If you join the email group by going to preparingyou.com and join the email group in your area only and uh, or any area that you 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 may have an interest in. Some people join more than one group because they have family in another area. But uh, it's based on geography and as the network grows. If there gets to be too many people on a group, we'll divide it off into smaller and smaller locations. But if you're also creating the living network, which is the tens, hundreds, and thousands that Christ commanded that all his followers sit down in and organize themselves in, then even if the internet goes down, you'll still be connected. And you'll be connected for hopefully for the purposes of Christ. And the purposes of Christ is so that you all might be saved. Because the unrighteous mammon is going to fail. And you're going to need that. But you're also going to need vision. And that vision is uh, that we're going to look at today is the vision of Nahum. And so we already started Nahum. We did several shows that were kind of preludes to it. And it wouldn't hurt to go back and listen to those shows because I'm trying to set you up to see what you can discover in Nahum, which most people, uh, based on what I've been reading in the uh, <laughs> uh, commentaries, uh, missed it. Uh, they get bits and pieces of it, and that's great, but they didn't really get into the depths of Nahum, because Nahum, like I said, had a vision. And the burden of Nineveh, which is the beginning of his First verse in the first chapter, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Echoshite. And so right away they're talking about this burden. And what, what is that word burden there? It's Masa. And uh, Masa is this, uh, it's actually translated burden 57 times, but it's also translated song and prophecy and set and exaction. But really what it comes down to is a kind of tribute 
And tribute can come in many forms. Uh, tribute can come in uh, the form of taxation. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us the slothful shall be under tribute. And uh, so you end up under tribute, under taxation of men who exercise authority because you're slothful in something. And it becomes this burden. And that burden, uh, it comes from a word, nasa, which is nun, shin, uh, elef. But it is written, masa, which is mem, shin, uh, elef. Well, the mem has to do with flow. And of course, the nun has to do with the fish in the water. So, Basically, you become swept away by the will of somebody else and Nasa becomes Masa and it becomes a burden because you're now under somebody else. Somebody else is going to decide for you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And, of course, we've seen that a lot in the news. You need to wear a mask. You need to get a vaccination. You need to get a vaccine passport, you can't get on our plane, you can't have a job. Tens of thousands, like I said, hundreds of thousands of people are being displaced all over the United States, all over the world. Uh, but it's going to bring uh, the United States to a crippling halt. They're arguing now about expanding the budget. And I saw a video where uh, the President of the United States, or at least, George, uh, at least Biden, was saying that people are all worried about what it's going to cost. It's going to cost zero because I'm tired of this top down and, you know, it's all this virtue signaling and phrases, you know, like the rich are getting richer and you're getting poorer. Nothing has getting the people poorer than socialism. Uh, Venezuela, vast majority of Venezuela now is in starvation mode and we just not hearing it in the news, but they are suffering and dying. But just because you don't hear it doesn't mean it's not happening. There are people suffering. There are people going hungry all over America. And they're doing it because for the last 100 years, uh, America has been rolling downhill towards socialism, communism, and uh, total uh, decadence and deprivation of society. And it's doing it by making more and more laws. And you can go back thousands of years to, to Plato, and Plato, you know, very clearly said that, you know, good men don't need laws to get them to do what is right. But, uh, and, and, and then he goes on to say that bad men will get around whatever laws you make. And Tacitus says, the more laws, the more corrupt society. Yet, we've got people up there trying to make more and more rules, more and more laws, uh, less and less individual freedom, and it's only going to end badly. And it's putting you under more and more tribute. It's cursing your children with more and more debt. All of this is not happening because you elected some particular guy to be the president or your congressman or your senator. It's because you were looking the wrong way to begin with. But now you've got lots of places to point your finger. And everybody else. But the fact is, the burden of Nineveh is upon the people, which is going to include destruction, because you haven't been going the way of Christ. 
You've, you've abandoned the way of Christ. Your churches have abandoned it. You have abandoned it. But the good news is you can do something about it. You can't do much about your pastor. You can certainly bring the truth to him, but you better make sure you know it before you bring it to him. And ultimately, you need to have a vision. That word that we see, uh, like I said, uh, masa, uh, the burden, uh, but and how they change one letter from a nun to an M, and you're swept away by the current of this uh, burden. And instead of having the opportunities of being a free soul under God, you become merchandise. Well, the same thing is with another word, chazon, which is vision. Uh, the, the word is from uh, a word that means to behold, to perceive something. And again, you cannot have a vision about the world until you see yourself as you really are. And so they have this word behold, chet zian hey, but the word for vision is chet zian bav nun. And bav again is that separation word, nun is that, that, that fish in the water. And you separate out one thing so that you can see another. Uh, chet is this life force, this dynamic of nature. Uh, zian is this uh, it's a kind of a paradoxical letter, too. Uh, it usually involves this idea of a crown uh, of the head. And, of course, in your head is where you're going to see something about yourself. You have to clear your vision to see something about yourself in order to have a clear vision. But that Zen actually has two uh, uh, ideas incorporated into it. And one is service, and the other is valor. And it actually also means to cut, and it means bread. So how do, it means also war war and nourish. How is this single letter have these almost paradoxical ideas in them about uh, the truth? About the... uh, the, the, the reality of our existence and, and the world around us so that we look from inside the bottom of our heart out into the world. See, the world wants you to look over here and look over there. It's always playing the sleight of hand, trying to get you to think, oh, this is what you have to be afraid of or this is what you have to war against or resist. But the reality is what you have to do is see the reality about yourself so that you look at the world through more clear eyes. And so you have a word that means both nourish and to make war. And uh, in that idea, there's that that narrative of a paradox again. But uh, if you go into these words in greater depth, again, you have to see yourself. This word drives from a word that means uh, sustenance or nourishment. You have these two ideas of something that cuts but yet nourishes. Well, cutting to the truth, we use that metaphor all the time. Are you willing to cut to the truth of something? Again, in order to see the truth, 
about the world, you need to see the truth about yourself. So as we go continuously through Nahum, that's what you're going to need to do is to look at yourself. So we have this vision uh, that uh, is uh, normally said to be Chazon, written with, you know, the Chet Zan Nun. Uh, but here and in several other places, we see the word Hazon. They have changed the letters so that you can see it. And we see that also in Samuel, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious, costly, weighty. That's what it means, precious, in those days. There was no open vision. So, what do they mean, no open vision? The, why was the word of the Lord so precious, weighty, difficult to see? Because of the fact that people had accepted ideas that are contrary to the Lord, contrary to the ways of the Lord, and it made, him, it, made it difficult for them to have a vision, to see the truth. But this, this boy uh, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And so Samuel was becoming this prophet. But it was costly to become the prophet because you had to see the truth in your own heart and in your own mind. Ultimately, all of you will eventually start to do that because as things begin to break down in society, you're not going to be able to play back these audios that tell you what things mean. You're not going to be able to go onto the internet and, and look up all the books that we've been writing about and explaining the different words. You're going to need the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, showing you the truth. Uh, the same word is also referenced in Isaiah and Proverbs. In Isaiah, we see it in Isaiah 1.1, very first verse of Isaiah. The vision of Isaiah, they use that same arrangement of letters, quite a bit different than the original word. And the original word, even before Chazon, is, is the word to see. But this means more than just to see. It means to see in the spirit of things, to understand the, the creative forces and powers that are bringing about certain things. And many things will be coming about in the days to come. And if you really want to understand them and know what to do, you have to go to a place of humility. Because that's what makes the, the vision so difficult, is that you have to let go of what you already believe to be true that just ain't so. So the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So anyway, that's what Isaiah is going to... And Isaiah, he's not a minor prophet. He, he says a great deal of things. But he had this same type of vision that we're seeing in Nahum. And the other place we're going to see the word is in Proverbs. And because Proverbs is full of wisdom, we're going to take a look at that. And then in Jeremiah... But we'll have to do it when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we're we're looking at Nahum, and we're looking at this word that uh, 
we see his vision and we're establishing hopefully in your minds that uh, vision is not an intellectual uh, vision that they're talking about. It's a spiritual vision that they're talking about. And Isaiah used the word in the very first uh, verse of the very first chapter, but Proverbs also uses it in Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So this vision, where there is no vision, but then he's talking about keeping the law. Happy is he. In Proverbs, this is in Proverbs 29:18. And Proverbs is an interesting book to say the least. You know, it, it's uh, it translates to the Hebrew word mashal. That's what proverb is actually from, and uh, you know, it's kind of a collection of sayings or instructions uh, that was for a unique society, a society that had no burden. Well, it had a burden, but the burden was light, and the burden was you decided what you were going to pay in taxes. I mean, you're supposed to pay 10% of what you uh, produce in your life, 10% of the energy that you expel for work. I mean, you can pay it any way you want. There's nobody, there's no accountants that are sitting there making sure that you paid your 10% and putting you in jail if you don't pay 10% and... You know, if you, you know, if you don't show up to help with the army, they don't have guys that come and arrest you. You don't have to send your kids to public schools where they, they control what your children are learning. They didn't do any of that. But they defeated all comers as long as they remain true to the instructions. You know, and, and keep the commandments. So this unique moral society uh, was very successful for hundreds of years. And the people were free. Uh, free to pay whatever taxes they thought were justified to whoever they thought was doing a good job. And they organized themselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to do this. So you would give at least 10% of your labor, your time, your energy to a minister of your choice who was the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. The people still had power and control over this government because they had power and control over the purse strings because if he wasn't doing a good job, he wasn't going to get paid. He wasn't going to get assistance. He wasn't going to get funded. You know, right now, there there's a couple hundred men deciding how many trillions of dollars your children are going to be pushed into debt. And that's okay with you. You you guys uh, all took out time to go to the basketball game or to, I don't know what you're playing now, basketball, football, whatever. Uh, I guess baseball is pretty much over. <laughs> so I guess basketball is the new thing now. So you go down to the high school game and you watch that while your kids have been brainwashed and haven't been taught history. They wouldn't know Plato from Socrates or Jesus Christ from John the Baptist. Oh, they, you think they go to Bible school and learn a little bit, but they have no vision. Uh, they, they're, they, they're not even allowed to gather together and speak to one another in most places. You have to wear masks on your face. <laughs> you know how much of communication is through facial expression? Huge amount. It's always much different. 
you know, I have to put a great deal of inflection in my voice when I'm talking on the radio, but because uh, you can't see my face. So, and like I said, we're going to be doing some more videos, and hopefully, we'll be getting more and more of those up. But ultimately, you, you don't need to see me; you need to have that vision. So, Proverbs, you know, like one to nine, uh, consists of an invitation to young men to take up this course of wisdom. And uh, number ten instructs. Uh, you know, and there's also about five poems in this uh, book of Proverbs that talk about this uh, personified woman of wisdom. They actually talk about two different women uh, in Proverbs. Proverbs mentions women more than any other book in the Bible. There is the woman of wisdom, and then there is this strange woman. And we've talked about that. And a woman is a metaphor or the caregiver of society. So who's taking care of your society? Is it is it the woman of wisdom? Or is it a strange woman? And see in that early Israelite society. The, the church in the wilderness. The called out in the wilderness. Were to take care of the needy of society. Through the contributions of the people. The free will offerings of the people. To take care of the needy of society. And that's what the Levites were doing. And of course the people were doing this as well. I mean mostly you know, families took care of families. And clans took care of families within the clan. And the tribe took care of the people. But they, the instrumentality of that was through this Levites. The Levite would bring it to the attention that so and so needs help. And then people would give him the help that he needs to help them. Or they would just come together and help. I mean, you see this in the Amish community. If a house burns down, everybody shows up the next day with lumber and tools and hammers and saws. And they build them another house. They don't They don't have to pay any insurance. Their insurance is one another. And that's what the society of of Israel was all about. That's not the way it works today. You don't go to church if you lose your job and lots of people are losing their jobs. You don't have a network. I mean, you see the tyranny coming. But the best you can do is, you know, put some meme up on uh, Facebook. You know, shake your fist at the wind. You're swept away. The masa in the water. Because you have a masa. <laughs> a master. <laughs> A master and a monarch, because you have had for the last 100 years an ever-growing, increasing appetite for benefits at the expense of your neighbor. Benefits provided by kings and rulers. And that that's the way you've gone with this appetite for benefits. You've been biting one another. I see these debates, you know, uh, Talib was just uh, arguing about the fact that she sees her black sisters having so much trouble and, and uh, you know, and, and we need to have sympathy. And you white people, you want to, you, you know, you're virtue signaling and all this stuff. But the reality is she's virtue signaling because she's talking like, because she's in government, she's going to provide the funding to help all these 
black children and the black neighborhoods and black families and the black neighborhoods that she's going to help them with this money that she's going to give them and vote into place forcing you to contribute. Well, that's the antithesis of Moses. That's not free will offerings. That's somebody else deciding what is good and evil. That's against Christ who said you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. They call themselves benefactors, but they force the offerings of the people. If And that's the burden that that uh, Nahum is talking about. This burden of Nineveh. This tribute. You have to pay tribute in and the government's going to be taken. This is long after Samuel had his vision. Samuel said, you know, if you guys are going to want to have a king, a ruler, you know, and put somebody like Biden in charge or Trump in charge or, you know, Bill Clinton in charge to be the supreme moral character of your community and society of your nation. That's what that's what he said he was. That uh, you're already toast. If you didn't see that coming, you didn't have vision. And so, your caregiver is no longer the church through free will offerings as it was 150 years ago in America. It's now the state. And you didn't have the vision and your pastors didn't have the vision. They said it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of the state. You know, somebody put a a meme up on the, the internet. I saw it last night. I wanted to comment on it, but the Holy Spirit kept telling me, no, don't comment on it. Well, I'm commenting now. It holds up, you know, they have a cartoon holding up, you know, a set of vaccinations, three of them. If your pastor says you have to have one of these before you can come to church, then there's something wrong with your church. Well, long before that took place, you know, where the pastors are saying you need to wear a mask, you need to social distance. I mean, we used to be able to turn around and hug one another in church. (laughs) That got real popular for a while. But the reality is, is that... uh, your churches have been saying it's okay to take a bite out of one another through the men who exercise authority. It's okay to pray for your daily bread from the to the fathers of the earth. It's okay to do that. We just want you to come to church and tithe to us so that we can have our Christian outreach program or whatever, or so I can have a pension or whatever. These aren't churches established by Christ. These are churches that are warring against Christ. And you didn't have the vision to see that. Proverbs 1. Tell to the uh, to consent thou not. You know, if you sit and eat with a ruler, that's sit down and get those benefits from the unrighteous mammon. Those wages of unrighteousness. Put a knife to your throat. But you didn't do that. And you didn't do it because your pastors said, no, it's okay. It's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. And now you've cursed your children and you've all become merchandise. And uh, I'm going to release probably this week, if I get around to it, something on 2238. 
showing you the spirit that this way comes. Something wicked this way comes. Well, Nahum is telling us about that too. Jeremiah told us. He used the same word in Jeremiah 14, 14. But he was talking about, I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their hearts. That's what your pastors, these brutish pastors who you think are so wonderful have led you back into the bondage of Egypt and cursed your children. And now the repercussions, the cause and effect of that is coming upon you. And you think you're going to elect, you know, re-elect Trump and then he will save us? He brought you the vaccination. <laughs> we'll see how many people, you know, who, who get it or don't get it and how many people do well and don't do well. But you probably won't find out about that on the news. So anyway, we so this vision, your pastors don't have it. Nahum had it. The Eccleshite. And it goes on in verse 2. God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. And the Lord revengeth and the, is furious. And the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And He reserveth wrath for his enemies. And now to go through this, and we have it all in writing, and to to just tell you all in in the uh, in the on the radio, you know, you you need a blackboard to almost do this. But I'm preparing you. If you go to Nahum, Nahum one, you'll see these words, and we take you through them. Uh, like the, the, this word that we see is jealous. It only appears twice in the whole Bible. Now there are other words for jealous. But this particular word for jealous, which is kuf nun bab elef, only appears in, uh, in two places. And, and it does mean jealous, but it doesn't mean jealous quite the way you think. And by looking at all the other words and the other letters, because Nahum is just full of adding letters. Two words, you know, like wrathful or avenging, you know, that that it actually, the original word is be-it in Lamad, but they put a vav in front of it to mean something else. It's this avenging God, this archer of wrath. And we were explaining already in the first show that this has to do with uh, the law of God built in to creation itself. If you don't keep the commandments, your eyes will be darkened and you will not have a vision. Right now, the people have been sitting in darkness again, like they were sitting in darkness at the time of the Pharisees and the time when Christ came. What were the Pharisees doing that brought the people into darkness? Well, it was a long time coming. Same as what we're seeing today is a long time coming. People did not care about their neighbor as much as they cared about themselves. They did not love their neighbor as themselves. They loved themselves more. And we know that this is the case in America because it has been plummeting its children farther and farther in debt so that it can get more and more benefits. 
Now, it has all kinds of people, preachers and politicians, telling them that, oh no, Social Security is a good thing. You know, until they're saying that abortion clinics are a good thing. These people are trying to argue against the abortion clinics and stop the abortions. But you're still taking a bite out of one another. You're still, you're still running up bigger and bigger debts. The corruption in your government is just overwhelming. I mean, you look at it and you wonder, where do you even begin? And the corruption in your churches are no better. So, saying that, you know, if your church requires you to wear a mask or take a vaccination in order to come to church, that now you say there's a problem with your church? Your church has been telling you it's okay to bite your neighbor. To devour your neighbor and now you are devoured. You know, the sidewalk comes up really fast in the last few minutes of your plummet. When you're falling from the top of the building you jumped off of into this world of socialism, you actually imagine that you were flying for a little bit there. But boy, when that sidewalk's coming up, Suddenly you get this stark realization that you're not flying. Now, how many people have jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and before they hit the water, they changed their mind? You know, there's a guy who actually jumped off and he survived. He tells you that he changed his mind on the way down. (laughs) But it was too late. But then it wasn't too late because God spared him. He has dedicated his life towards helping other people Not jump off the bridge. Well, socialism, you know, FDR, LBJ, were getting Americans to jump off a bridge. And you think your salvation is that we could, you know, get a different president in? The fact that you wanted a president to begin with, you were jumping off a bridge. So, anyway, back to uh, Nahum. All this vengeance stuff is just part of that cause and effect reality of this built into creation. And it's coming. It may delay, but it's coming no matter what. And this is what Nahum is talking about. You know, but if you read this with your modern church's vision of this and in commentaries that we see, because it seems very confusing even when you read it in the Hebrew. God is jealous. It's built into the system of creation. And the Lord revengeth. And the Lord revengeth. It's built into the system. It's going to happen. And is furious. It's going to be very strong and powerful cosmic reaction to the choices that you make. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he re- Serveth wrath for his enemies. It's for his enemies. You know, that, that word we see, enemies, 280 times it appears in the Bible. And normally, it's, it's just Elif Yad Be'it. That's what it is. Elif, Elif Yad Be'it. That's the word enemy. It appears 280 times. Also appears as foe a couple of times. But what, in this case, that's, that's not what we're seeing. 
in in Nahum's context, he's got uh, Lamad, uh, Elif, Yad, Beit, Yad, Vav. So those those words Elif, Yad, Beit are there, but he also has a Lamad at the beginning. That's your hand. That that's that's going to be something that you you put this into action, and Yad, a second Yad, and a Vav at the end. So why is he adding all these extra letters to the word enemy? Because those pastors that have not been telling you that it's not okay to covet your neighbor's goods and call yourself a Christian. Paul tells you that. Paul, who supposedly did away with the law, we've explained that so many times, and, and it's it's almost... Uh, Painful to bring it up again. But uh, I have to keep telling you this. That Paul did not do away with the Ten Commandments. Paul did away with the law of the Pharisees. The law of the Pharisees said that, you know, I mean, it could go crazy. I mean, the Pharisees could make you, you know, only walk so many steps. They might make you wear a mask or a burqa or something. Uh, they, they control what you wear, when you wash, how you walk, what you eat. They're making up all these rules. But they're missing the most important rule. Love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you would not be sending men to your neighbor's house to force them to contribute to your welfare. You would not be borrowing money against the future of your neighbor's children and even your own children. But you have been didn't start with Biden. It didn't start with Hunter Biden's laptop. All those things are distractions. It's fascinating. But if you're not going to see the truth about yourself, the truth about your parents, the truth about your grandparents, have been made a habit of living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. You need to repent of that. You need to think differently. You know, another place that they have that that word vision is in Lamentations. That particular arrangement of letters. I mean, like I said, it, it appears 35 times, but with this particular arrangement of letters that we see in Nahum, Lamentations 2, verse 9, her gates are sunk into the ground. He hath destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes, that would be Congress, <laughs> are among the Gentiles. Why? Because they are like the governments of the Gentiles. Because you are a Gentile. You're not a Christian. You're not following Christ. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. Her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. There you go. Your ministers have no vision. They thought it was okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the administration of uh the men who exercise authority one over the other. There is a consequence to that. And now you're experiencing the consequence. 
and there is no salvation for you unless God will hear your prayers. You turn around and start caring about one another. You think that, oh, what do I, you know, my son sees all these things coming. He sees these bills like the 2238. He sees all these things going on behind the scenes. They, they just passed, you know, a gun safety act in Oregon. They, so they can now take your guns away. They don't think you're using them safely. And they get to decide. It's for your safety. Remember Adolf Hitler? It's for your safety. But it's not your safety. It's for their power. But this is a product of what your pastor said was okay because they had no vision. And they are all like Gentiles, not like Christians. But anyway, we'll continue this when we return to Keys of the Kingdom after a brief break. So don't go away. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, yeah, your pastors have not had vision. And why? Because their eyes have been darkened. Why have their eyes been darkened? Because you have decided that it's okay to do contrary to the will of Christ, contrary to the will of God, contrary to the will of our Father and and His creation. And you've decided that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of governments. And you decided this way back with FDR. You actually decided it even before that, but FDR is a clear marking point of a change of course in American history. Uh, we actually changed that course way back when. And the, America is, is was not really a collective except for the fact that you could draw this line around its coastlines because uh, with the sea to shiny sea and inside was this millions of individuals. And uh, there was slavery in the south now there's slavery in both the north and the south, and you're the slaves. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. You got back in the bondage of Egypt a great deal with the contracts, covenants, and constitutions that you started way back with George Washington. But the Constitution had very little effect on the people in our 1871 uh, theory uh, video that we're going to be uploading soon. We go through some of that, but we already have written a book on it. The Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions is freely downloaded. We have dozens of audios covering the book. Go through chapter by chapter so that you can understand that your salvation is not the Constitution. It's not even a biblical document. It violates four of the five requirements for a Constitution Laid out by God in the Bible. and But your pastors don't see it. They don't even know it's there. They're shocked when I point them out. That, hey, look. and But many of them go back to sit in darkness. Because they, they've become so used to it. You need to, you need to be trained by the Holy Spirit. Not just trained by me. Repeating these same messages over and over again. You need to repent. And go the other way and then your eyes will be opened and you will have the visions that you need. And vanity gets in the way of that. And pointing out everybody else's problems, you know, the world this and the world that, uh, you need to take the, the journey yourself into the truth about the gospel. The truth about the Torah. 
And, uh, you know, it's just shocking to me to see these people talking on another radio station where they're talking about how Paul is, you know, this bad prophet and that we need to return to the Messiah and what the Old Testament said. And, that well, the Old Testament said you weren't to covet your neighbor's goods. What are they doing about that? Not to not take a bite out of one another. New Testament says the same thing. How much of the New Testament is just repeating? I mean, Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. How is it love to force your neighbor to contribute to you what you want? You will end up under the burden of Nineveh. And Nahum is telling us this. It's built into the system. The Lord is slow to anger, he says in verse 3. And great in power. He gives you time. You had time. It's been three generations now. You've been going more and more in the wrong direction. And will not at all acquit the wicked. Who are the wicked? Those people who live at the expense of others. Who take a bite out of one another. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind. And that's what you're beginning. You have sowed the wind and now you're going to reap the whirlwind. And in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So, yeah, it's, it's coming. Whether you like it or not. You know, this, this, uh, way of Christ that we have neglected is going to bring about the whirlwind. And it, you can look at that word that they translate into way, uh, which is, uh, Delet Resh Kaf. And, uh, Delet again is, is selflessness. This is the way of Christ. Selflessness. Charity. Back and forth. This reciprocation of charity. And choice. There is no charity without choice. Talib thinks she is a charitable woman because she wants to take away from everybody so that she can give to the poor. But that's not charity. That's the Gentiles who exercised authority one over the other. That's what it says. Jesus says you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles. Democrat or Republican are both like the governments of the Gentiles. You think you can rein in this horse of greed, of kings, the horsemen of the king. You cannot any more than you can rebuild Humpty Dumpty. It's coming down. One way or the other. The unrighteous mammon will fail. So what should you do? Well, pay your taxes. Don't get into trouble with the unrighteous mammon. You've signed up. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is that network of tens, hundreds, and thousands who are starting to learn what it is to care. If you start to do that, if you start to go that way with earnestness and commitment, where you don't just run off at the first discomfort. You can't do that when you get married and you have children. you got to follow through. Stick to the commitment. Your wife's going to change. Your husband's going to change. you still got to commit to it. I'm not, I'm not binding you to that. I'm binding you to this idea of committing. And you can't do it without the power of God working in you. And you can't get the power of God working in you until you go down and look into your own personal 
basement. The truth about yourself. So this delet, it means charity, back and forth, through the door, rash. This process of clarification, that's putting that charity into action, beginning to understand who is really charitable, who's not really charitable, not so that you can judge others, but so that you can do right by them. You don't want to weaken the poor. You want to strengthen the poor. So you need clarification to understand, why is this guy poor? Because he's lazy and selfish? Well, don't feed his selfishness with your charity. You have to have tough love. It's the same as raising your children. You don't just let them get by with being lazy. You have, But you have to do it not as a tyrant. Cough, which is the last letter. The crown. Remember, Zan has that crown in it as well. But this is the actualization of the potential power. You, fathers be fathers to your children. Mothers, be the caregiver of your family. Churches, turn around and repent of the nonsense that you have been teaching the people as if that is the gospel. Just follow Jesus. What Jesus? The the Jesus of your imagination or the real Jesus? Well, if you're not keeping his commandments, you're not following the real Jesus. You don't have that vision. Remember the the vision that we were talking about? I mentioned in Lamentations. That same word is also found in Ezekiel. Ezekiel seven twenty six. Mischief shall come upon mischief, and new uh, rumors shall be upon rumors. Then shall they seek a vision of the prophets. But the law shall perish from the priests and the council from the ancients. Your your pastors are not telling you the law that you can't be coveting your neighbor's goods and expect God to come. Your neighbor's choices. See, that's the thing. When they wanted to have a king, they, they were going to give him the power to make choices for you. And next thing you know, he's forcing, forcing an offering. And because of that, his kingdom is not going to stand. FDR was forcing offering from people, borrowing against the future of your children, to fix things for you. It's amazing the people who love FDR and the people who hate FDR. Why? Because FDR said it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. The government will exercise authority one over the other and make sure that you have the provisions you need. That's what Pharaoh did. That's what Caesar did. It's not what Christ did. You know, Ezekiel twelve twenty two, Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel, saying, The days are prolonged, and every vision faileth. In other words, the people's eyes are darkened. They don't see it. The days are prolonged. Again, that's back to Nahum. He's talking about that he has this patience. It, it, it's coming. But it's coming in time. You had three generations. Maybe four. Remember the other prophet? That they were talking about that. Three. Maybe four. <laughs> and you just let it go. Now it's all coming down now. 
And millions upon millions will die in the days ahead. How soon? I don't know. It's coming. I don't need to frighten you. I don't want you moving from fear. I want you to repent. Look into your own hearts and say, Have I really been doing everything I can for my brother, for my fellow man? You know, or am I transferring my faith uh, and my love towards something that is easier to take care of than than your fellow man, like, you know, your pets? See, people give inordinate amount of patience for their pet but have no patience for the local kids in the community or their own family. They have no patience for that. They're not at peace. They're full of anxiety. Because in their hearts, there are things that they have not been willing to see. Mischief of, mischief upon mischief. And I, and I will make the proverb to cease. And they shall no more use the proverb in Israel, but say unto them, The days are at hand, and the effect of every vision... For there shall be no more any vain vision. That's what you've had, that you believe that you believe in Jesus, but you're doing contrary to his will. Nor faltering divination within the house of Israel. Now he's predicting that this will go away. Well, he did the same thing if you go uh, into uh, uh, later on in Ezekiel. We see in, what is Ezekiel 18.2? What means ye that ye use the proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. That's what's happened. Your fathers ate sour grapes. What are sour grapes? They're unripe grapes. They ate grapes before their time. They didn't keep the Sabbath. They went into debt. They ate a meal today with the intention of paying for it tomorrow, like Wimpy in the Popeye cartoons. Can I borrow a nickel today for a hamburger today and I will pay you back tomorrow? <laughs> That's eating sour grapes. And turn the children's teeth on edge. Now, we can blame your parents and your grandparents, but we need to forgive them and leave judgment to God. But the reality is we need to repent so that we do not pass this same spirit on to our children. We need to do some overtime in taking care of one another. And that's what Nahum is talking about. Is that we went this wrong way and we need to repent. You can go read uh, Ezekiel 12.27. Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say the vision that he seeth for many days to come, and he prophesieth of the times that are far off. And and here, you know, we see this word again. Hey, Chet, Zian, Vav, Nun. To wit, the prophet of Israel, which prophesy concerning Jerusalem, and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, saith the Lord. And I'm afraid that's what we have in store, no peace for a while. But if you find the peace in your heart, God will run out and meet you halfway.
So the Lord is slow to anger, but it's coming. The whirlwind is coming. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languishes and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. So America has been this breadbasket, this fruitful place. Bashan. I have the definitions there. You can go look up these words and even look at the Hebrew letters. We have that all there. And we see other prophets using it too. It has nothing to do with the location. It has to do with this fruitfulness of your of your society is not just dependent upon the fertility of your soil and the climate, but it's dependent upon what's in your own heart and in your own mind. And if and this is an individual journey that we will have to do together. Because we should not forsake the gathering together. He talks in verse 5 of the mountains quake at him. And the hills melt and the earth is burned at his presence. Yes, the world and all that dwell therein. What world is he talking about? Is it Erat? Is it the planet? It's actually, it's Tibel. Which is Tav. Be it Lama Tav that letter of faith. So, do you live in a world of faith? Do you believe in faith, hope, and charity? Do you believe in love of Christ, or do you believe in the government's going to save you? It's not. It's a, this the word there that they have Tebel is equivalent to cosmos in the New Testament, the Greek word world, because it's. It has to do with what your hand and your house and where you put your faith. Do you put your faith in the governments of the world or do you put your faith in the way of God? And we talked about that way earlier here. So what is that way of God? Is it the way of righteousness? Is that the way you've been going? No, your pastors are saying, no, you don't need righteousness. You just need to believe in the image of Christ that I hold up, which is an incomplete image. A false image of Christ. A false image of what Christ taught. And they get away with it. So the mountains quake at him. And they're going to be quaking and melting. Peter talks about melting and quakes and burning. A fire that burns. Burns the world. What world? The organized system of men. It's coming down. It's the unrighteous mammon. It's coming down. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to repent, think differently, and start doing what Christ said so that he can run out and meet you halfway and, like Lot, pluck you out of danger. Verse 6, Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Again, we're using these words like anger and fierceness and we're just talking about the power. It's built into the system. It's it's going to take place. There is no escape. The Lord is good. He's not angry. He's not upset. He's not running around there like ticked off at you. It's built into the system. His power is built into the system. You've just not been going the way of Christ. And your pastors have been saying it's okay. You don't have to go the way of Christ. Just make sure you're tied to me. I say, 
you know, gather together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because Christ commanded it. Start taking care of one another according to the way that the church is supposed to provide care for one another instead of looking to the government because the government's going to dry up. The mountains are going to be thrown down. They're not going to be there for you. And, you know, you can fast for four days. You can fast for ten days. You can actually fast for 40 days. And uh, there's a lot of fasting in our future. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. So now you have to trust in his ways. You have to start coming together and doing this by charity. Doing this by love. You don't know how to yet. Uh, you, you don't commit to your neighbor the way you should be. To your, most people don't even commit to their family the way they should be. They're all preoccupied with, with what makes them feel good. Whether it's drinking or gambling or carousing or what have you. They need to repent of that. You need to help them repent of that. When they don't have eyes to see, you need to be the eyes they need to see with. And the only way to do that is to see the truth without judgment. You leave judgment to God. See, what evil wants you to do is judge others. Judge Biden. Judge Trump. They got a lot of mileage out of that. Getting everybody to hate Trump. That was another quote. We'll talk about that in the afternoon show. Some other quotes from Hitler. Wow, how hate was such a powerful thing. Fear is such a powerful thing. Fear and hate are the same thing. They're just the opposite sides of the same coin. Both of them require judgment. Judge not, God says. Verse 8, But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof and darkness shall pursue his enemies darkness will pursue his enemies the only thing we got going for us is the enemy is blinder than you are <laughs> so and the flood is coming the flood of evil is coming but god has an overrunning flood he is your salvation but you need to be doing what he said following his way keeping his commandments Verse 9, what do ye imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. So we're going to go through something, but if we repent, though he may slay us, we may not survive this. But best you repent and be found not wanting to do the will of the Father. He will give you vision. He will be your comforter. Not me. But you have to care about others as much as you care about yourself. And and why aren't you gathering together? All these thousands of people losing their jobs. Where can we make a home for them who have took a stand? We don't want to create a welfare state somewhere else. We want to create a place that makes us strong in faith. Strong in that our personal vision. For while they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble, fully dry. There is one come out of thee that imagineth evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. 
So that that bears unpacking, but let's get through this a little bit farther so that we can at least say we got through Nehemiah 1, <laughs> and we'll go back and take a look at this. In verse 12, Thus saith the Lord, Though they be quiet, and likewise many yet, thus shall they be cut down, when he shall pass through. Though I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee no more. The reality, he's talking about two different groups here. And the, the fact is, is that evil's coming. It's going to have its way with an awful lot of people. It's already having its way with a lot of people. They're following after it. They have no vision. They don't see this coming. We've given you a lot of information over the last two years about the things that are going on behind the scenes. And we, like I just put together two videos and conversation about things going behind this, uh, the scenes. But what you need is this spiritual vision so that you see it for yourself. The sight of me is not your salvation. The sight of God is your salvation, but it has to be the real God. Not the fake God, the fake Jesus that has been presented by these pastors who also have no vision. Verse 13 goes on to say, For now will I break his yoke from off thee, and will burst thy bonds in sunder. So, the people are trying all these different schemes, following these different gurus, to try to, they see the loss of freedom, and they want to get rid of these guys, or get rid of this loss of freedom. They want to get their rights back, but they don't want to take their responsibilities back. It's not going to happen. And, and God knew this when he led the people out of Egypt. He did not take them to the edge of the desert and say, run for. He did not say, fill out these papers and then file them with the Pharaoh and then run for. As a matter of fact, he hardened the heart of the Pharaoh because the people had to learn how to come together and take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Through faith, hope, and charity. Not by force, by faith. They learned to live. And it prepared them for the wilderness. For the collapse of Egypt. The collapse of Egypt's army. Which was eventually, in a very short order, invaded. Uh, after after uh, the Israelites left. And it, it's real. that And, and that all these archaeologists say, Oh, Moses, no evidence that Moses existed. Not when you think he did. There is evidence he existed. But your time frame is wrong. There's tons of evidence. I mean, tons of evidence. Uh, literally, tons of evidence. <laughs> and we'll, we'll reveal more of that evidence as time goes on. But uh, the reality is, I want you to believe in Christ. Moses and Christ were in agreement. But your, your pastors are not in agreement with Christ. They're holding up a false Christ, which is why you're in this mess, which has been a long time coming, but that it's coming. So you need to turn around and think differently. Go this other way. And this, of course, is what Nahum is telling you about, that it's built in. It's coming. Anyway, we'll be right back to Keys to the Kingdom after this brief break.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, anyway, I talked about something wicked coming, some destruction coming, the fact that you're under the burden of Nineveh, you're all under tribute, you're back in the bondage of Egypt. Do I have good things to say? Well, of course, so does uh, uh, Nahum has good things to say. Like I said in verse 13, he says, For now will I break his yoke from off of thee, and will burst thy bonds uh, asunder. So, that's good news. But, you know, the no pain, no gain. It's going to be a rough ride, you know. And so, in verse 14, he goes on to say, And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee, that no more of thy name be sown. Out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven images and the molten image. I will make thy grave, for thou art vile. So, wait a minute. He's breaking the yoke, but then he's going to make your grave that thou art vile? Well, who's he talking about? Well, it's kind of the way they talk. He's commanded concerning thee that no more of thy name be sown. The name of what? This other house. This be it house that of faith in the world and the the world of the gentiles the world of the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other the men who practice false religion the false religion of socialism that leads to communism that leads to destruction the the true religion of god is pure religion Based on faith, hope, and charity. How can you practice pure religion if you do not gather together? And what better way to gather together than the way that Christ commanded, which is in the tens, hundreds, and thousands? I should be up there soliciting funds for all the work that I did this week. Uh, I put in huge amounts of time. I don't go to bed at night. I go to bed in the morning. (laughs) I still get up in the morning, too. Uh, I added a new page, the bands. And I asked God there that how do you dissolve the bands of tyranny if you haven't learned the bands of liberty? What are the bands of liberty? Well, Christ was telling you. Moses was telling you. All the prophets had vision. Naam is telling you. But you don't know the bands of liberty. You've been dissolving the bands of liberty by taking up the bands of tyranny. Which is the covetous nature. That's how they make you merchandise. Polybius knew it. Accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others, you become a degenerative society that of perfect savages that find once more a monarch and a king. That's where you're at right now. So how do you restore the bands of liberty is that you dissolve... Stop depending upon the bands of tyranny. Which is those benefactors who exercise authority but offer you all these wonderful benefits. You're not going to find that. You're not going to go the right way until you start forgiving and leave judgment to God. And you're going to need to leave judgment to God because of the fact that you're not going to solve this. You're not going to figure this out. 
I also added to our uh, template on voluntary society and to the page on voluntary society and ancient communities and and uh, the term wantonness and the Christian conflict and uh, tens, hundreds, and thousands. I added to the Song of Moses and the Song of Lamb, which are mentioned in Revelation. And the book of Revelation, there's the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. What is the Song of Moses? What is the Song of the Lamb? Moses and Jesus were in harmony. I also added to the page on Messiah, the page on Refuse, which tells you how to, uh, if you're in the system and about to lose your job and you want to fill out an exemption form, you should read the Refuse page first. Incorporate that because things are not going to stay the same. Things are going to change. We also changed the page on Manaham, the Essene, and pure religion, and, and Proverbs. You know, some of our pages on Proverbs. All these things are constantly being upgraded every week. Sometimes every day. Uh, a wealth of information, but unless you have that vision in your heart, unless we can take the scales off of your eyes, you can't do that until you are willing to see your own part in this and forgive yourself. Of course, forgive your parents and your grandparents and the people that have gone before, but you also have to forgive your enemies. Leave judgment to God. He's much better at it than you. So like I say in this verse 14, he says, And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee that no more of thy name be sown. That's the ones who put this yoke on you, and which is you. So you stop sowing your life in this system of unrighteousness and start sowing your life in the system of righteousness, which is the system of Christ, which is what the church should have been doing for the last hundred years, instead of tickling your ears about a fake salvation that actually allows you all to become workers of iniquity. So that Christ is going to say, Get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity, because you've been coveting your neighbor's goods, uh, cursing your children with debt for a hundred years. How long do you expect me to wait? The Lord saith. Out of the house of thy gods. Small g gods. Will I cut off the graven images and the molten images. And I will make thy grave for those images. For thou art vile. Those images are vile. Those systems are vile. They destroy and weaken the poor. And destroy whole societies. So verse 15 says, Behold, upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace in your heart and in your mind. O Judah, keep thy solemn feasts, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. So, when the wicked, the evil out there, the system of evil, the molten uh, systems of evil that melts down your neighbor to provide you with a golden calf of success and you know benefits, the unrighteous rewards of that society, when 
they're all gone and destroyed. What are you going to do? Right now, they're firing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And they're not going to get unemployment. They're not going to get welfare. Uh, I mean, they're, they're just up in the ante, left and right. And then there's going to be another... You know, just when you think the storm couldn't get any worse, it's going to get worse. <laughs> and, you know, I'm laughing when I say it. You know, I weep for those people who will not awaken and repent and actually start having a real church that it moves according to the ways of the early church, not according to your modern church that has been tickling your ears and lulling you into a sense of salvation that is fake. Uh, you, you need to turn around. But God is there, been there all along. And what is coming is coming because it's built into the system. You've turned your back on the ways of the Lord and this is what happens. The mountains and the hills are groups of people. And the world is the same world that we see that Jesus' kingdom is not a part of. But you are a part of. Because you have become dependent upon it. And it has put a yoke on you. And that yoke will be broken. Like I said, everybody's going to be free. Everybody's just not going to survive freedom. Because they need to repent and live differently. They, they cannot escape this. No, there is no escape. It's coming like a flood over the whole land, over the whole world. It, amazing times we live in. But you, you're not going to have the protection or covering of your molten and graven images, which are cursed and vile. God will set your your grave, the grave of the uh, with the molten images or not. Yeah, that you know in the movie uh, Ten Commandments, Moses supposedly stomps his feet and the ground opens up and the molten calf falls into the ground and flames and everything burn it up and the people fall in there with it and everything. That's not actually the way the Bible explains it, but I guess it. He he just consolidated different scenes and and put it all together. But that's not the, the, what happened. They ate the gold. <laughs> that's what they... He turned it into powder with his furnaces, whatever that is, and they ate the gold that they had put into the calf. Now, what is this molten image they talk about? And I have... You know, I have links there that will tell you what that is and you can take and go and study that if you're following along at preparing you. But uh, when he breaks your yoke, those molten images, those graven images, those, what was the golden calf? The golden calf was a central bank. Okay, so there's your clue. The central bank, that's what it was. Back then, those days, the golden calf was a central bank. All the city-states, now I shouldn't say all, but many of the city-states had these golden statues. It was the wealth of the people put into the statues, so you had no real valuable money in your pocket. You had some sort of clay scarab or token or uh, uh, teresia, is I think in the Latin, uh, in your pocket, but you didn't have real money. 
You didn't have real gold and silver, real value, which is supposed to represent the sweat of your brow or the sweat of somebody's brow. But they put it all into this single statue, and that's their central bank, and they would occasionally, in some of the Greek city-states, saw off a part of the statue in order to melt it down to make coins because they had to pay the army. But that that's another whole can of worms when you have to do that, which you've already done. But anyway, the, this you've melded your wealth together with others and now people are deciding what to do with it and what they decided to do with it is borrow against your future and now there is no gold in the land. <laughs> you've devoured it. You've eaten it up. Now you're cursed and vile, as he says. God will set this your grave with the grave of the golden image unless... You heed the words of God. Because see, your system of Corbin, your system of welfare has made the word of God the none effect. And the wages of that are not only unrighteousness, but a curse upon your children. But also a separation, a bob from God. What you, What is the house of thy gods will I cut off, he says. It's, it's from this word Elif Kaf Resh Yad Tav. Cut off the graven images of the molten images, for thou art vile. So this whole idea of a golden calf or of a central bank, whether your wealth is there and you have nothing of value in your pocket, steals away your individual right and choice. It, your your money is going to go down in value. It's going to decrease because of the way in which you've fallen. And so, you know, have a whole. If you're on the page at preparingyou.com, we have whole articles on like graven images, and we show you, we take you down the graven images and unmooring the metaphor and what the molten image means and what a golden statue was and how it was called a reserve fund. Actually, it's translated that when you read it in the Greek. I've gone through all the time and do this, but God has guided me in this to show you that you have gone this wrong way. And there is no remedy. There's no legal remedy that will save you except for repentance, thinking this other way, of thinking about taking care of one another, faith, open charity. And people say, well, that's impossible. Well, that's why they call it faith. <laughs> you have to, you know, you can't walk on water, right? That's impossible. But Peter stepped out of the boat. Now he's going to need help. You're going to need help. And God is going to provide that help. But you have to be on the side of the Lord. You have to have enough vision to follow the way of the Lord. That's the beginning of vision. To realize that you are following blind guides who have led you into the bondage of Egypt. And your pastors are brutish in that way because they care more about their own vanity, their own position, their own pulpit, their own pedestal that they put themselves up on than cared about you. Now, they are in just, you and they are both in need of repentance, turning around and going the other way. And that's how your eyes will be opened. So he, he goes on to talk about these feasts. Perform thy vows. And vows were by the force of men who exercise authority rather than charity. 
there are two words in the Hebrew that are translated into vows. And, and we see it also in the Greek. The same days in process. And, you know, I have pages on vows that explain what these vows are. The vows are a votive offering. Also only appear in Nahum 1.15. So this word we see there, vows, only appears in Nahum. Yet, if we look there, the word uh, nun deleth resh appears 60 times in the Bible. Translated vow 58 times. But this particular form of the word that we see here only appears in Nahum 115. Uh, and it's this Yad Kaf. Not uh, Nun uh, Deleth Resh. But it has this Yad Kaf added into it. And Yad is this divine spark. And Kaf is this crown of actualizing the potential power from a spiritual to a physical realm. And that's what you have to do. That's what your charity is doing. When you sit down in the tens, hundreds, hundreds and thousands, cast your bread upon the waters, not just for your local congregation. This is one of the big problems with pastors. They're all concerned about their local congregation. But you know right away that if he's concerned about his local congregation, uh, he's not concerned about the, the people of the kingdom. He's not preaching kingdom. He's, he's preaching church and Churchanity or congregationalism. And and that's not what it's all about. It's about bringing the people together in faith, hope, and charity. And, and this righteousness of God. So, a prayer, these two words for vows, one kind of means a prayer. And that's what charity is. That you give in charity in hope. That's what makes it a prayer. That it will come back to you. You cast your bread upon the waters in hopes that it will come back to you. You're not going to trick God. God's going to see your heart. But the feasts that you have been eating at is the feast of socialism. It's not the feast of righteousness. It's not the gathering together and taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. That's not the feast you've been at for the last hundred years. You've been eating more and more at the feast of men who exercise authority. You've developed greater and greater appetite, greater and greater addiction. So now you need, you know, uh, welfare anonymous. I mean, they took care of your parents. That's welfare. They, they provided you with unemployment. A lot of you have been sitting on unemployment rather than working. What a, what a crazy thing. This term, cut off, cuff. Resh Tov, uh, that appears in the text uh, of verse 14. It's actually Elif Kuf Resh Yad Tov. And it appears here uh, in, in verse 15 as Nun Kuf Resh Tov. So anyway, I go through these letters and you can look at them and if you read them and ponder them. But you really need to meditate. You need to quiet down your mind as well. And you need to wait upon the Lord. And God sends the vision. The intellectual pursuit of all this is not going to give you vision. Any more than, you know, some sort of guru theory about, you know, that you need to, you know, throw away your ID or uh, become a sovereign or, uh, 
uh, file this paper or that paper. What you need is a personal vision where you begin to see these things without anybody else telling you. And the way you get that vision is you start caring about somebody else other than yourself. Now, God created the family. That's the institution of God. And you're incorporated into your family by the flesh. No more twain, but one. That's what a corporation is. Two or more people gather together for a particular purpose as if they were one person. That's what the family is. That's the corporation of God. But he has this other thing that he calls the church, that he calls out. And they're supposed to take certain vows, certain things, and we explain that elsewhere. But they are simply servants. They are not offices of power. They are offices of service. The power is restored to the individual. But what that individual does with that power will... Uh, it depends upon his personal choices inside the depths of his own heart, which he has to go into first. But what is going to happen will be dependent upon that choice. Everything else after that is cause and effect. So either, you know, all roads lead to Rome, all roads lead to the kingdom of God. It's just a question about direction. Which way are you going? And the way to the kingdom is not the way towards tribute. It's a way from it. You don't throw it off. God will throw it off. He will break the yoke. You do not break the yoke. You cannot fill out some paperwork and break the yoke. You cannot say some magic words and break the yoke. You have to become a doer of the word. That's that actualization word. Where you put it into practice. It's not that you will save yourself. You cannot do it. We are, we are, there is no hope for you saving yourself. You can be saved. But the where that begins is you start to see the truth about yourself. The truth about the fact you have not gone the way of righteousness. You need to turn around. And, and there's so much more that we could talk about in all this, but Nahum 2 is where we're going next. And that begins with, He that dasheth in pieces is coming up before thy face. Keep the munition. Watch the way. Make thy loins strong. Fortify the power mightily. At uh, His Holy Church uh, org and actually at preparingyou.org uh, com. I recently uh, added uh, something to the page on the net, the network page, and that's where you go to join the network, and you can join the network in your area, which is just an email group. But the idea of the email groups, which are based on geographical location, is so that you can start to find one another. And there's lots more people going to be out on the streets. A lot more people are losing their job. You need to find them. And start gathering together in a network of charity because the the image is coming down. The unrighteous mammon is going to fail. It's inevitable. And it's going to fail rapidly. But the best way to prepare yourself for the evil that is coming and your family is to help others prepare themselves. And that's why Christ wanted you to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So join a local email group by going 
to preparingyou.com. Go to the network links. Down there at the bottom of the page, you can join in Alaska or Alabama or Australia or Mexico or Russia or wherever you're at. There's not millions of people that are on these groups. And as soon as the group gets too big, we'll break it down to smaller and smaller groups because the idea is not to create an email network, but to create a living network that will communicate in lots of ways. Maybe they'll be down the street from you. Maybe they'll be in the next town. Maybe they'll be next door. I don't know. God will arrange all that. But I want to help you find one another and then sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another. And then God will remove the rest of the scales and we can go on and see the rest of the story (laughs) of the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is where we need to go. But anyway, till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. And we'll see you on the network. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.